How's it going, man? Oh, it's been a it's been a day. Yeah, it uh, looks like you just came out of the shit end of a. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You don't look good. Yeah, I was um, dealing with. I <clears throat> say like, it's mostly like Bankus's fiance is just like being mad at him and like, ah. like I have to give him. I, he's he's like a ref. He's like my son. Don't say that. that. Just stop. Just stop. Don't even say it. That's that's too private. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm you just, caught, I'm just you, caught in the middle of some fucking bullshit on this. And you look beautiful. Never mind. You look fine. You look perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So how's it going, man? Oh, good. I've been doing stand up again. Yes. Yes. I've been seeing you like getting a little more action, like your guys' videos, so many of them and just popping off. Like you got, you're a regular fucking content creator now. Like it's amazing. I know I got to and, and, and the fucking off camera broke and the audio and things. You'll have to get that out. There's so much to do. So much to do. So many people to either yell at or make laugh. Or yeah. Buff. Okay. Well, so I just want to say then, uh, so let's get this thing started. So what we have today is Daniel Boardman. Uh, he is the writer and editor of the National Telegraph, uh, comedian, uh, hilarious uh, skit comic, in my opinion. Uh, basically, the next Mr. Bean. Uh, we've got him on the podcast today. Uh, so yeah, thanks for coming, man. So basically, what, we, what we're here today for, uh, episode 63, by the way, um what we're here today mostly to talk about is canadian politics a little bit because it's popping off but then we've also got this town hall meeting with trump but um what do you so what do you want to talk about first do you have anything in particular that you're interested in i mean i i stick in anything like i just skim the trump thing it's like yeah trump yelled at cnn so everyone's like yeah they suck Trump great <laughs> and then Trump also said like ridiculous things that like upper middle class white people don't agree with. So CNN's like, see, he's a monster. And so no one's opinions changed. Like Trump was Trump and CNN was CNN. That's, that's, that's as far as I think. But well, yeah, I have well, to say Canada no longer exists. We're a province of China and, um, yep. you know, hand in, hand in your vaccine passports or something and you'll get it. You'll, we'll, we'll chip them in your arm and there'll be a social credit score. And you'll have uh, an ESG score and digital currency and everything will be great and everyone will be happy. Sure. You'll own nothing. Yeah. So, hey, so I watched uh, that episode 21 of The Bankish Show with you on it there for the whole episode. That was pretty, pretty good, pretty entertaining. I have to say I was oh, smiling man. the whole episode. How, how, uh, how as, as you learned about Bankus's crippling gambling addiction? Yeah, dude, that is so funny. He needs to keep doing that. Like, just pretend whether he is or he isn't. Just keep pretending that he's a gambling addict. That's fucking hilarious. I, we were uh, at a show. I'll give you a thing. <laughs> we, were at, we were in Burlington last night, Burlington Yucks, and he was hosting. And I saw like uh, he was like just like on roulette, but like as like one comic was getting up to go back to host, I saw him like on the thing, like spinning the roulette wheel in his phone. It's one of the things I'm trying to stop. Is like no phone roulette. Kids at home, stop playing roulette on your phones. <laughs> so. So, uh, so how is your life. how is your return to stand up been? Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, it's fun. Like, um, there's a bit of old stuff that I have memorized, but I want to phase that out. And it's like weird because, you know, I do what I do during the day, and it's like, the it, it's it's fun. Like, you know, it. I just have to like, like I, I need to do it more and like learn to get into it and like figure out new material and like learn how to explain to people in a concise way that like, I'm like, 
Canadian diet Ben Shapiro. Maybe that's just the best way to say it. It's just like get in, like that's my job, and um, that's exactly what you are, dude. You know your, you clearly know your shtick perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So I got to like get the onboard the audience because like I have like funny stuff. It's just like sometimes it, it's a bit shocking for them to get into. Like, not many people relate to like that. Oh, there's some. Has anyone ever had a show on Indian television before? Huh? <laughs> you know, you know when you're working at a, a Pakistani pro India television show and yeah like so but you know it's fun I, i'm having fun I, i'm making jokes about things and yeah i mean i guess you, you don't have to pigeonhole your material you know i don't mean to give you any advice because again i'm not yeah. a stand-up comedian but i i do write jokes a lot i got a lot of jokes and i i'm an avid fan so i feel like i'm i can i can help a little bit but uh i feel like you don't have to pigeonhole your material at all i feel like you you should just talk about anything you know yeah, yeah, so I do. But like, also, like, you need to make money doing stand up, and like, the, you need to in order to make money, you have to do something else that isn't stand up. So I, have, and I want to keep doing the National Telegraph and all that. So it's like, eventually, I have to come to terms with the fact that most, like, if you're going to be successful, people have to know who you are going in, and like, people eventually will know, oh, or at least half the audience would know, like, okay, this guy fucking yells at Justin Trudeau for, uh, for you know, during the day he yells at Trudeau, and then at night he like has fun. Yeah. Um, so it's. Your- what was your last uh, favorite article that you wrote with your National Telegraph? Like, what's some of the things that you're writing about currently with that? Like, what's the last thing you published, or what's your last favorite thing? Um, okay, I can't remember the last thing I published. Uh, public. Um, <clears throat> I did a quick one this week on like the. I remember the face, uh, the the passport thing, but like the, I wouldn't say that's a favorite. Like a good recent one, because I'm not recent one that I like that I'm proud of. Piece of passport, what like, and 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 stuff like that's transient. I did want a good one on uh, gender ideology that the turfs really like me for. I'm, I'm making some good turf friends. Um, I think it's is gender ide- ideology about to collapse? And I sort of do a, you know, what was happening in the UK at the time, but also like here's like the roots of um, this whole, um, you know, pseudo Marxist uh, gender ideology stuff. Here's you know, here's who it's based on. Here's how it falls apart. Here's where you know, the rubber meets the road and how, how it, how it's losing politicians, their jobs, once people come in contact to it. And like, so that, that's my, if I'm going to be like, yo, here's some, an article I wrote that's worth reading that you're like, oh, that was worth my time. And, and, um, that would, that would be one I'm sorry, that I enjoyed writing. I put a good amount of effort in. Um, I think I hit stuff like, and there's other things that, but it's like, it's niche. It's like, do you care about like this particular, do you care about like Israel Palestine? Do you care about Iran? Do you care about India, whatever? And like, not everyone does, but I think most people in like the culture war are like, yeah, why are the kids just chopping their dicks off? That's a bit strange, right? That's yeah. a bit more relatable to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You remember think- when we were kids, like we would just like hang out with our buddies, smoke weed at the ravine and like chop our dicks off. Oh yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. No, come on. So- I guess you didn't grow up in Toronto, but. Uh, so do you think, um, so I, cause I've been talking about this lots, actually, I just had a long conversation, episode 62 with Thomas, uh, it's coming out this Wednesday. We had a long talk about gender ideology. And do you think that like, what, so, cause I've been trying to come up with counter arguments. I know there are, the, the, there's these obvious ones where it's all oh, biology or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, what, what do you think is the best counter argument to why genderology ideology is important? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think this is a very, very good question because there are so many like scientific counter arguments, like the entire thing is built on the flimsiest house ever. Like, I, I mean, I go into like the, the original experiment done by John Money, where he discovers gender and not sex. It failed, right? He said, I can change 
uh, there's twins, one had a bad circumcision. I can turn one to a girl, one to a boy with behavioralism and nothing. It's all behavior, no genetics. And it failed. The kids were horribly abused and committed suicide. Yeah, they talked about that study in uh, What is a Woman with Matt Walsh, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's a, the, the, the original study is a, t a sample size of two. So it's not even valid. Yeah, yeah, the twins. But then the twins. is a catastrophic failure and is treated like he discovered this, like he's he's the... Uh, I, uh, you know, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton of, of, of gender or whatever. So yeah. in itself, like when you break it down scientifically, like it doesn't stand up, like no one, no one seriously is like believing the science and like logic and goes down to it. Like this is, this is emotional attachment to like, it's a political ideology, right? Or, I mean, I've joked to, about it being religion, um, but the gender, gender the, being a religion. Like the gender ideal, like I, I, it was a joke. It's one of the new things I'm doing on stage now is like, I love a bunch of, I love religions, you know, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, transgenderism, all of them. Um, but okay. So my, my point though, is what attaches, what attaches people to gender ideology in a serious way is it's the perception that this is the, the arc of progress. This is the future. I am on the good team. I am using my white privilege or straight privilege or whatever allyship to pave the way for the transgender people, which are the most horribly abused people since 15 minutes ago when I, when I discovered them. The way you undermine this is you have to explain to people and show them like, okay, what is actually happening? So what are you doing to the kids? Like, this is actually a eugenics program when you break it down for gay and autistic kids. Like this is, you know, it's it's not like the, the intention is completely different than what, you know, 20th century dictators did in terms of eugenics, but the result is the same. I agree. Uh, we are primarily, you know, we're taking a kid uh, in middle school who likes wearing pink shirts and is a bit frilly and silly. And, you know, you shouldn't make fun of that kid for being gay and don't bully him and throw him to a locker. And that's mean or whatever. But this kid's probably gay. Can, can, I, interrupt, right? can I interrupt really quick? It's, it's almost like, to put it like plainly, it's almost like they found a way to, okay, so rather than giving, so like a gay person, for example. I'm not saying this is what they're looking for. I'm not saying that they're not gay and just like that's just how they are. But I'm saying that what they're looking for a lot of the time is attention and love. It seems like what, what they've done is they've hijacked that where it's like they're, they're looking for a contrarian version of that. Yet, if you don't give it to them, if you continue to affirm a, a, a young gay kid or a, let's say, an Asperger's or autistic kid, yeah. they will continue that until they find what they're looking for, which is disagreement disagreement contrarian and if they don't find it they'll keep going so essentially it's like a way where we flipped it where they will take it to the point where they'll castrate themselves like what you were saying and how it becomes a psychological eugenics in a way yeah because it's like it's so highly rewarded like being gay is out like no one cares if you're gay anymore exactly like, anyone can be gay exactly right? and that's and that problem solved right but trans now like that's the Oh, there's going to be a lot of Instagram likes and 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 social credit, you know, social um, you know uh, feedback, and like that's what pushes people down. I think um, you hit the head, uh, hit the nail on the head there with the contrarianism. I mean, queer theory, which is you know, it's the same thing as whatever, but queer theory in itself. Um, if you look at, you know, queer theory is basically just pushed, and the central thesis is like anything that is subversive is good. Right. That's it's just like, you know, heteronormative, whatever, whatever, white patriarchy, blah, 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 is the norm. It's bad. It does colonialism, all the radical leftist mumbo jumbo. Therefore, to subvert it um, is a value in itself. 
So being any type of yeah, queer theory, just like anything that's not the norm um, is, is therefore good and you just must be subversive, right? And this is why a lot of the queer theory like founders, like they're all uh, supporting uh, love is love between adults and non-adults, uh, to put it lightly, uh, all the major founders. If you just have the value that subversion is good, right? Then someone's gonna take advantage of this and be like, yeah, I believe in queer theory and we ought to subvert these norms of ageist thought that we don't treat, you know, we don't, we discriminate against 10 year olds by saying they're not smart. 10 year olds are smart. I know a very smart 10 year old, therefore they can make decisions. And you're like, yeah, it's like, he, he made this, the, yeah, this kid made the decision. They wanted to ha have sex with me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you see why, like, and you don't want to be like one of those guys because it's not true that like, you know, all transgender people are pedophiles and it's just a pedophile agenda, blah, 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 blah. But you have to understand, like, when you're creating loopholes for bad people and bad actors, those, like, there are some pedophiles. And if you are a pedophile and you're not using queer theory and, like, modern gender ideology and, like, their talking points, you're a crazy person. Because, like, this is the best way to advocate for, like, we're a sexual minority. Um, you know, you get into the real trans stuff because of the big thing of the trans thing is, like, kids can be trans and if kids can make decisions, right? Because kids can't join the army. Kids can't smoke. Kids can't, um, you know, drive, right? Because there's a legal limit, and kids can't consent to sex because they're they're not old enough to handle this. Although they might understand what it is, I'm sure most 14 year old boys understand like what sex is, but they're not emotionally mature enough to get into a physical relationship with an adult, right? And we all understand that as adults, and a 14 year old boy doesn't. He's like, I like, I want to, you know, you oh, I want to get with my teacher. She's hot. Right? But he's an idiot. Right? You he's should do idiot. more impressions on stage of uh, teenage boys. That's funny, dude. Boys. You're, you're, oh, 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 oh. That's funny. Yeah. Right? And then we freak out, rightfully so, when it's like 14-year-old girls and like adult men because we understand like, okay, bad things going to happen there. Um, but yeah, like if you just say like, oh, you know, uh, kids – like, right? If a 12-year-old if a boy or girl is um, adult and mature enough to make a decision to go on cross-sex hormones – or puberty blockers, which is a major life decision, um, then why aren't they allowed to consent to a, a, a night of fun with um, with uh, their 50-year-old uh, neighbor? It's a slippery slope, hey? Yeah. Slippery slope. So, um, you know, so basically what I wanted to ask you about, to get into one of the major topics now, if you don't mind, it would be to do with... Uh, that thing to do with Michael Chong, and he's a, so he's basically basically a Canadian politician who was in danger a little bit because of some Chinese nationalists in in Canada, correct? Or if if you could fill me in, yeah, we have a big problem with this in Canada, and it's it's not just the Chinese. The Chinese are are probably the the biggest thing we're talking about right now. So Michael Chong is like a bigger name in the Conservative Party. He's like the Conservative Party. He's run for leader before. He's a red Tory, right? So I think this is kind of important. He is as close to um, what a perfect conservative the liberals would want us to be, right? What the liberals say, oh, I mean, if, why can't the conservatives be reasonable? It's like Michael Chong ran on a carbon tax platform, you know, the Islamophobia motions, like all, you know, Michael Chong is willing to give a bit of ground to like eco nonsense and social justice, whatever. But he has principles, right? He is in some ways conservative. He's, he's a red toy. He's part of the, like, it's, it's not a secret, right? So he's principled, and I think he has good foreign policy. I mean, I'm just granted some domestic, but he's, um, you know, of Chinese descent, but he 
he supports Canada. And he's a he's a you know he's a Western man through and through. He believes in like Canada, America, the European like our alliances, you know, personal freedom, freedom of expression. Um, you know, China is not honoring its deal on Hong Kong and their uh, abrasive on Taiwan and you know, China likes to throw temper tantrums on anyone who comes after them. So Michael Chong's been pretty consistent. Genocide is bad. Uh, China can't genocide Uyghur Muslims. Um, Hong Kong should have freedom, right? Can't uh, Taiwan uh, should not be bombed, right? The three big no-nos. And so he's, he's you know, he stood up in parliament and did this. And um, he had to like cut off contact with his family because he has to speak out against China because he doesn't want to put them in danger because he knows they're listening, whatever. Um, but now we've learned that there was a campaign um, to harass Michael Chong and his family. Um, and it was facilitated in part by someone who held diplomatic status in Canada. And this is really bad. I mean, I know this because again, I've, again, I'm in these communities, like the Iranian community, um, you know, Chinese dissidents, I, I know these people. And in Canada, they get harassed a lot more. Like Amer like we have these Chinese police stations in Canada, we do nothing about them. I know I've heard tons of stories of like Chinese dissidents who uh, get like harassed, have like dead rats thrown in, put in their mailbox uh, to, to intimidate them. For the average like listener, what, what is a Chinese dissident? Yeah, so this would be someone who doesn't agree with the CCP. So if you leave China and you're not pro-government, right? So if you come out and, and you're openly critical of the Chinese government, if you're like, it's authoritarian, I don't like the social credit system, anything like that, like you become a dissident, persona non grata. Like if you went back to China, you'd get arrested and thrown in. Like your family might be losing social credit points for being like, you know, having been near you. So, you know, dissident is generally people who, um, when there's authoritarian regimes and people who publicly disagree, like, Again, a lot. I have Iranian friends who are former refugees. You would call them dissidents. And like again, one of them, I have, a, I have, a, I have a friend from Iran who was murdered in Toronto uh, in 2020, um, and in extremely suspicious circumstances. And he was like a really nice guy, so it's not like he was, you know, in that thing and he was taken out of his house. Um, Karima Baloch, who is, um, you know, like there's a Pakistan is oppressing this minority called uh, the Baloch people, Balochistan in Pakistan. It's like it goes back 70 years. You don't need to know the thing, but. Um, a key Baloch activist in 2021, I believe, Karima Baloch, she was in um, Canada, she got to Canada and she was happy, she was speaking out, and she was drowned and thrown in the river. And this is common of the ISI, the Pakistani CIA. Uh, it's a common way they've taken out dissidents all around the world. And the Toronto police said, oh, this is a suicide. So she like strangled herself and threw herself in the river, like just came like a leading human rights activist who uh, was speaking out. Of, I, I don't believe that. Like, and the, uh, the police are just like, yeah, it looks like a suicide. And it's like, none of this looks like a suicide. Like, mm -hmm. and you talk to police detectives, they're like, yeah, I don't know how we can rule this as suicide. But someone politically was like, yeah, we're not going to look into the murder of a civil rights leader in Canada. And, you know, we would scream, scream if a black civil rights leader, a BLM activist was uh, in Canada and then got assassinated by someone who didn't like their politics. We would, it would be the biggest story in all of the world. But this woman's just, yeah, she's from Pakistan. I don't really know what Balochistan is. Like, yeah, she's talking about human rights and freedom and girls should go to school and all that type of stuff. And she was like literally murdered by a, an intelligence service on our, in our, in our, in our biggest city. Yeah. And we just shrugged it off. And like, yeah. this is this type of stuff that's now coming to yeah. a head with the, like, we're starting to cover a lot of this on China and China's doing this, but like, this is why I said, like, this story's not going away. Like, we ha you, we haven't scratched the surface of the tip of the iceberg on foreign interference in Canadian politics. Because I've been looking into this stuff for years, and I've been trying to scream at whoever listens, and 
and it's just been met with apathy. But now we've hit the, the, the thing where there's some evidence uh, and someone in CSIS finally got fed up and said, okay, I'm leaking this to Robert Fife here. So like, here's what's going on in CSIS and the RCMP and like, we're doing nothing. We all know what's happening. Like, this is another thing. It's like, everyone yeah. knows it's happening in CSIS, but everyone also knows that the political uh, members of the intelligence, so high ranking RCMP officers, high-ranking CSIS officers, like where we get to, where they become politicians and not, you know, intelligence officers, that's when like, that's when there's a complete disconnect in, in Canada. So like, the rank and file RCMP CSIS are actually pretty good um, at the jobs and care. It's just when it gets sent up the ladder to get signed up, I got, it all falls apart once it gets to the, to the, to the government. So that's, we've known oh. that for years. And so, so do and, you think and, that they, did you think that they will accomplish like any type of, large-scale deportations of these people that are all suspected like with what michael chong is that's what he wants to do is he wants to get all the people that he suspects like he he's essentially lobbying to make a list where everybody he says he wants gone they're just gone and is that you think that's gonna happen? i don't see the liberal party doing it the liberal yeah. party is too tied in with china now yes you can go back in time and say stephen harper was too open on china and yes stephen harper's some he had this his biggest foreign policy blunder was his blind spot on china thinking that you know old school thinking right if we just normalize and we let them throw money at us and, and we there's like they'll, they'll 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 be our friends and we'll have trade and like no they're they're still trying to push their like vendetta yeah. for the opium war against the white people like it's 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 we're at an impasse with the ccp yeah. um that being all being said you know the conservative party i can see the only party that would have some like they would have to run on this and they'd want to seem like tough on this um the conservative party also is pretty anti-islamic republic of iran opposed to liberals so again they would want there's a lot of you know they have a lot of fort money laundering assets and you know terrorist groups that they enable in canada like they like they front hezbollah and like two three years four years ago there were two guys arrested who were spying on pearson airport and like doing logistics for Hezbollah. Yeah, let me let um, me tell you my quick theory. One, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I think yeah. so. That's like that's more or less the the gist of what you're trying to say there. Mm -hmm. I'll say one little part, and then I got another thing. Is that I feel like motivations of and this might be totally bullshit. Like just just wrong, right? But my little sliver of information on this is I, I because because you know that that foreign home buying policy is just coming to an end this year, right? And mm -hmm. because of all the migration, like we're gonna have. A lot of people wanting to buy homes a lot of foreigners wanting to buy homes especially chinese people like people say now that in vancouver basically it's all it's all owned by chinese people basically yeah so i feel like they might be using this to extend that home buying ban to chinese people for longer just for that purpose i wonder i thought maybe that might have some relevance yeah i mean i that's something i mean we we have terrible housing policies in canada so i could say populist thing to ban foreign home buyers like it's part of the problem like this is judgment so crazy like texas has massive immigration like people always come to texas but land is cheap in texas because texas is one of the few places on earth that understand that housing is a supply demand issue like as you know what like they don't limit supply it's not hard to build zoning laws aren't crazy like you can build things near other things like yeah oh we can't have a, a pizza shop within 500 meters of a school if there's also an apartment building unless yeah. it's like, yeah that's regulations are so stupid yeah so, right? um, yeah, so, so if we get off of some of the politics stuff uh, you got sorry you got anything else there yeah my point is just like with the like the liberals and like we love populist bullshit when it comes to um housing 
that instead of just saying supply and demand, build more houses, dum dum, and like stop attacking landlords and like saying we're gonna tax them four thousand percent because then they're like, okay, well we're not gonna rent and we're just gonna turn this into mega expensive condos for rich Chinese people because they could pay us and like and then leave us alone. Like I'm not yeah. right. So, yeah, that's exactly like, right. They always count on the Canadians to do the worst thing when it comes to housing. That's that's my shtick. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. So yeah, to get off of the politics just a little bit, I guess, just I've got a couple of things on my list here that are kind of funny, like on the right hand side of things to see get your opinion on, other than just the, the Trump thing. Uh do you did you see the coronation at all? Do you care much about that or no, I mean I, I saw some thing, like, did you hear that they're gonna put Camila on the money? What do you think about that? Sorry? Did you hear that they're going to put Camila on the money? What do you think? Camila about that? on the money? Can't be like get the king on. I, I keep keep uh, keep Elizabeth. Keep 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 her. Keep I her think a spot. so too. Yeah, like yeah, they're like, so old. Why switch all the money at this point? You know. Yeah, like why do it? Keep the the other queen. She was cool. Like I guess it's cool. Like the current monarch is on our money. Like that's whatever. But like I don't know. Keep keep the old queen. You know. Do you think there's any value a in a royal family? Hmm? Do you think yeah. there's any value in a royal family in a, in a democracy? Yes. Yes. Now tell me your um, opinion on that. So I hate the royals. I find them boring. I don't like them when they're on TV and they annoy me. And But I don't read tabloids, so that's for other people so they could do it. I just don't engage, right? It's like, oh, I don't like watching baseball, so I don't watch baseball. I'm not like banned baseball. The value of the monarchy is it is good to have a symbol of national identity and unity that is sort of above your government. Yeah, and absolutely. Right. That dude. So you, that you, I've been, I, I, my last podcast again, sorry, just, I, 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 we had talked about this for five or 10 minutes. I tried to summarize what you just said in one sentence. I, exactly that. Like that, that is exactly it. So, yeah. So sorry, there's, please there's keep going. Yeah. So it, it gives us that. And also like being part of the British Commonwealth now, it gives us, certain things like it's easier to deal with Australia, New Zealand, England, like the Commonwealth, like there's Commonwealth games, like inter-trade, like there's a symbol of unity that binds us to Australia, New Zealand, um, and these other countries where, you know, now it's easier to like, you know, we have a, a legal thing where you can be like, okay, for Commonwealth, it's in there, right? We don't need, you know, to get someone in from Australia, New Zealand to work visas should be easier than it is from almost any other country. And the answer to that is, we're pretty similar culturally, like in terms of like health and and consumption, we have the same language and pretty similar history. Like we, you know, fought together in World War One and it was like Monash and Curry and we were, you know, the Anzacs and the Canadians are sort of broke off and from the British Empire. And over the last hundred years, we developed the thing. So like it makes sense that, again, like you can it's easier to integrate someone from Australia to Canada or vice versa than it is from Somalia. Yeah. Right. Just. It, 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 right it's simpler and i'm not saying no somalians i'm just saying like it it streamlines everything for right? sure if you have these sort of commonwealth and all and you know alliances also it's like because we're in the commonwealth and like there's 40 other countries in the commonwealth that's just like an easy quick alliance with 40 other countries do you think right? so let me just let me just branch this off of, to, yeah. uh because in my curiosities here so in canada so my questions are is so like number one what's what's the biggest problem in so Brit, Brit, Canada is basically a British democracy, but it's not in the sense that we don't have the royal family. Um, so what's the biggest problem going on right now in Canadian democracy, if you could summarize it quickly? And then also, do we do we need 
a royal family like uh, that red haired dude there and and his actress wife from that lawyer show. Like, do oh, we, yeah, need, yeah. we need to give them a castle in Canada and and try to start try to start that? Or, or is there any value in that? And so those are my two questions. No, I, like, I, I don't think there's any value in like a new piece. It would be a silly thing. It's like, right? Like the British, like the British crown being under that, like the Magna Carta was signed in like 1215. Like that's, that's a monumental piece of legislation in human history. And that's about like the crown giving up power um, to the people. And, you know, they're in all the different, um, you know, iterations of that. Like the, the British monarchy has been sort of like phased out um, of like absolute monarchy status and into this sort of symbolic monarchy. And that's sort of the history that has value where you say, okay, we're sort of part of this Commonwealth. And, and I think again, like, so you could say, yeah, part of it is, you know, the symbol of national unity, there's something beyond Canada that is old, but if we start a new monarchy tomorrow, you kind of lose that. Right. It's then it's a symbol of like who Justin Trudeau picked, right. Who picks the Royal family? Like, is it, is be there like it's the same royal family that we bring over here because like so basically in western democracies i feel like our our setup where we're making celebrities into royalty isn't really working oh i think i like harry yes i'm losing connection on you just one second one second if i'm not sure if you can see me just one second I mean, but I can see you now. It's not great, but you're back. Yeah, use the oven. Hey, can you can you see me? Just a second here. Yeah. One second. We had an internet problem on our end, and it should be getting better. Okay, one second. Your your video is all blurry. Just a second. One second. We lost our connection. Fuck, I'm gonna have to edit that out. Okay, I got your video back again. All right, we're good. All right, we're back. There's this thing you can turn on in our house that fucks up the whole internet and somebody turned it on, so. That's a good, that's a good button to have the fuck up the entire internet button. No doubt, right? Like it's like, but it's a, it's a price to pay for like a really fancy, it's like a fancy microwave. It's like an inverter type microwave that it, it just fucks up all internet signals. Like it's crazy. Sorry, yeah, man. Hey, you started getting blurry there about 20 or 30 seconds ago. Can you just jump back right to what you were saying? Yeah, about? I think we're talking about having a Canadian specific monarchy, like yes. making Harry King of Canada. Yes. I, no, I, I think, I, I don't think that has that much value. Like I think you no. also lose out on the fact that part of the value is like having the same monarch as the Australians. Right, because then that like that's the alliance, or like, and there's certain Caribbean countries that you know you, but can you don't have... think it. Okay, so to, to come back to the other question that I asked you, because I want to connect them, because maybe it will help you see the value that I feel it might have, is that the biggest problem I think that's happening in Western democracies right now is that basically, like, if you look at America or if you look at Canada, everybody hates Trudeau, right? Isn't that? It's pretty much the gist. Even the people on the left, they don't really talk about how they love Trudeau. They just, they're just, they're just on the left. Everybody is hating the, either the president or the prime minister in both of our countries. So we need to fix that. And I feel like that comes from diverting some of that hate towards the royal family. Like, I feel like that is part of their utility is taking some of that hate. So, yeah, like, yeah, I, 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 I agree. 
Okay. I, I think that's another utility oh, word. So, that that I can that. so yeah, I see that as a potential value, but okay. So yeah, that's, so that's my answer for the biggest problem with Western democracy is everybody is hating on the leader right now and it's causing a lot of instability and untrust. And it's just like, yeah, it's not that I we're think- not getting anything done in legislation, but it's like, it would be better if people stopped pretending that Trudeau was some sort of king. He's just the prime minister. And, and, and having that royal family have dominion over them, it, it changes the way the citizen reviews them, I find. I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for, like an ex- for, for example, like, imagine what happened with Liz Truss, with how she yeah. came in, and she, and then, like, if that happened in Canada, there would be unrest amongst the public about, and distrust towards the prime minister. In the UK, nobody really cared, because there's so much stability provided, you know? So, yeah, I feel like that's I've a good seen, example. Yeah. I would say, I mean, my biggest problem with the, we went into foreign interference. Like I think foreign interference in Canada, especially, is, is such a huge problem. Um, but to your point, I think to, I think to sort of elaborate on what you built, we have a big problem in the West where most people go to the polls to vote against someone and not for someone. Exactly. And that's a problem, right? People were voting against Trump. Yeah, people voted for Trump, or a lot of people. Trump got it won because people were voting against Hillary, um, or against the Democrats, or against this, and people are voting to stop Trump. And a lot of, you know, I think a lot of conservative party like fell into this in 2019, 2021. Like, if you don't vote for me, Justin Trudeau's gonna be there, and like, it's yeah. either me or Trudeau, and you're like, yeah. I just think it would help with some of that polarization. You know, it would, it would, it would, it would decrease some of that where yeah. people are just acting in that way. And it would, foc- it would focus people more on the issues rather than the people that represent either side. So anyway, yeah. we'll move on from that as well. Uh, do you like hockey at all? Love it. Yeah, you've been watching the playoffs? Yeah, Leafs, uh, all of us. Oh, come on, say some prayers for them. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, okay, so that's to do with the coronation. Uh, do, do you know who Steven Crowder is? Yeah. Uh, did you see what happened recently with his divorce? And did you check? Did you happen to see the video of him abusing his wife or whatever? There, what's going on with him right now? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look good. I mean, I saw it. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to publicly get into someone's marriage. Like, my my thing is, I was thinking to tweet, but I figured not. Like, I would, if I was Stephen Crowder's friend, I would advise him to not make anything around his divorce public. Like, tone yeah. it down. Like if someone yeah. leaked a thing, just don't respond to it. Like he already, don't be he already to has though. He's gotten so deep. Hey, he made that video where he's like, he was already like, oh, my, my marriage is ending. He's already gone so deep that it's like, can exactly. you turn back? And then, that's all I'd say. It's like, you yeah, know, you should stop. There might be, yeah. there might be five hours of footage that would totally exonerate him and put that in a brand new perspective. Yeah. And I don't know. And like, maybe his wife is just crazy and maybe yeah. he's crazy. Yeah. And like, nobody will watch and, that. Like, a child. I don't know. And if I was his friend, I would say, like, listen, Stephen, just don't say anything because it's only going to hurt you. Like, there's no winning by making this public. Yeah. Like, OK, yeah, you might clear your name, but then you screw over your wife and you bring your, your kids into it. And then, you know, the amount of public, you know, the amount you'll have to drag your family through the public to clear your own name. Like, at some point, like, this is where you got to, like, sort of, like, be a man, Stephen, and just take the bullshit the world throws at you. For the greater good here and and, and suck yeah. one up and realize and, that and like, okay great you've got six million youtube followers because you were addicted to adderall for four years and just fucking chill you got a divorce <laughs> relax it's a speed bump yeah okay so anyway that's that's good on that um so i was hoping before we end the show because this has been a great episode so far 
is there any insights you can give us, uh, all of us, uh, all of our, you know, we're all fans of you and Ben. Having met Ben when he came and did the podcast was just amazing. He's such a personality and uh, it's like just, yeah, it's insane to hear him talk for a little while and all, all the cool stuff he has to say about politics and all that and how he kind of makes it hilarious as he's doing it. And he's great at impressions. Uh, but uh, my question was, is what kind of insight can you give any of us for what are the skits you have coming up for this mayoral thing or any other uh, ideas you guys have for what you might do for skits? Like okay, yeah. There's there's a couple um, there's 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 a couple written that one written filmed, but the audio messed up, so it has to be re reshot. Um, I'm not yeah, sure. There was a Toronto Sun that, yeah. article. Uh, if you saw the Toronto Sun article, and Ben has a new pride suit, so yes, um, we have some pretty killer. We we're gonna uh, Toronto's obsessed with bike lanes and all this. Um, we're we're get ready for our take on the bike lanes and how we're gonna save the world. Um, of course, education is uh, is important in everyone's mind. Like we do have an education platform. It is very super serious and will solve all the problems uh, that your kids are having, probably by just making them trans. Um, and then they won't want to ride know, a bike, and they'll just want to stay we, home and. You know, today anime. I turned to I turned to Ben today as we were. Uh, I said, you know, I like the thing you said to Warmington. I'm like, I think you've said it before. Like a, a new semi slogan we're going to bring out is clinics, clinics, clinics. Right, you got a problem. We got clinics, clinics, clinics. You, you know, you're a bit sad. We got a maid clinic. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. Right? Cut off. Right. Your oh, you're feeling a bit adventurous. Go to a gender clinic. Cut it off. Put it back on. <laughs> right. Switch it up. You know, or you know, a vaccine clinic. Right. Just get vaccinated. Cut your dick off and then kill yourself. This is yep. Toronto, everyone. Yeah. Right. So and then maybe get some fentanyl or safe inject injection sites like. Injection site slash vaccine clinic slash maid clinic slash gender clinic, right? Yeah. All in one. Maybe, oh, maybe a roulette thing. Like, oh, Ben will love this. Online gambling, you could go into the thing and you spin the wheel and at the clinic and it's like vaccine, drugs, um, maid, dicks, get cut off. Um, and then it's like, whoa. And then it, it rolls. And then, you know, you, you do that and then yeah. you have a great time. Everybody loves roulette. Um, yeah. Okay. So two, I got two, two last quick things. Sorry. So uh, to do with the town hall, did you, did you happen to watch it or just see clips? Just see clips. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not going to subject myself to more like if Trump's the nominee and doing it again, we'll get back into it. But like, I don't want to get my hopes up that we get four more years of the Trump uh, nonsense. Cause that was super fun. Like for me, like little commentary, like it was great. Exactly. Um, I just like, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I don't care. I I know what Trump's going to say. I know what CNN's going to say. It's funny, like, but I don't know maybe the Western world needs Trump to be quiet and let Ron DeSantis, like, you know, take over the world. Maybe. I mean, the vote the vote's going to decide it, right? That's what voting is for, I guess. But this one's going to be interesting because I wonder what kind of crazy things are going to happen around controlling this whole thing so that the public trusts this time that it wasn't fake or people weren't put it like running around putting in 28 votes at different voting stations and all this. the stuff that Trump has been claiming that caused his fake loss. I, I wonder yeah. what kind of controls they're going to put in place this time. I think they're just going to try and gaslight. Like, I think this is the media thing is like, I think they'll want to gaslight and like kind of poke the bear and poke the Trumpies to say, uh, election scam because like I don't think like I don't think this is a winning narrative for Trump. The 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 vote is fixed against me is not a winning narrative, right? It talking about how much you lost and how you lost isn't 
isn't a display of uh, strength, uh, to put it um, bluntly. And and the media likes having this this narrative to push that oh Trump are election deniers, even though they spent four years denying the 2016 election, and Hillary Clinton's still out there pretending she's president of the world. Um, so yeah, I I don't see any real safeguards. I see more gaslighting, and I see both sides being ridiculous, and and society and social cohesion breaking down because that's what we do now. It's just we can't have nice things. Okay. Right. Fair enough. We Fair live enough. in a world where everyone either believes Ukraine isn't real or biology isn't real. That's <laughs> there's two people left. Just pick one. You're either one or the other. And like that's that's just the world we live in now. <laughs> that's such a funny way to put it. Okay. Uh, so to be specific, did you happen to see any clips on? Uh, so this was near the end of the town hall when Trump was talking about Ukraine versus Russia. Did you happen to see any of that and his take on that? Yeah, I mean, he he he's trying to straddle the fence and like appease his thing is like, I disagree. Like again, I I think no, I, like my my big thing is like no one understands foreign policy and like just saying oh I want peace and we got to talk about peace. It's like, well, yeah, I want peace too, but you don't get peace with the Russians by being a bunch of pussies and letting them do whatever they want. You get peace by saying no, you can't invade sovereign nations. And if you do, bad things happen. So then they're like, okay, we're not going to do it, right? And you don't think so, he was saying that. I thought I thought he was saying that, like he was kind of making the thing. Like he 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 wasn't committed. He wasn't strong. Like the thing with Trump, though, he is great on foreign policy. When he the things Trump does, a plus on foreign policy, a plus. The things Trump says on foreign policy, like D minus. Mm -hmm. And the things Biden does on foreign policy, F minus, minus F triple minus. Yeah. The things he says on foreign policy, like B plus, right? So it becomes a thing of like. What can you say, except on Iran, then it's like F minus. So you know what, Biden, take him down to a C plus, right? So it's like this, this word of like, okay, what's more important, the rhetoric or the action? And I think the action, like when it comes to how the, the Saudis and their allies see us, and like the, the actions are far more important. Like Obama's, sorry, well, basically Obama 2.0, Biden, Obama, they lost the, the, the rest of the world. No one respects American power anymore. They completely destroyed themselves. Um, you know, there's just a bunch of woke Europeans who like kind of because of the Russians and on their border, like on one single issue sort of on Ukraine, like somewhat serious. But other than that, they're not serious on anything and they're a complete disaster and and and, and fantastical thinking. For right. Sure. Whereas Trump had some nonsense rhetoric sometimes, but when it came to like strong deter America first in foreign policy, right? Energy sector, have a vibrant economy, have economic leverage, right? tit for tat, right? If you attack us, we attack you. You cooperate with us, we cooperate with you. Um, and, you know, that's a very good foreign policy. And, and like that brought the well, Saudis what, back. Yeah, well, it seems like what he was implying was that with him or that he would have that with the situation where where the East and the West were technically united on saying, hey, Ukraine, chill out. Russia needs to do this, this and this. He said that that the that they wouldn't have fought back so much and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, who knows if that's true or not, right? I guess it's all hypotheticals and that's politics, right? They always play on the hypotheticals and say that, oh, the grass, are, I mean, the grass would have Trump's, been greener over here. Yeah, Trump's best thing would be, Trump's, if Trump, if I was advising Trump, I would say, this is what you need to say on Ukraine. Like, you need to say, there's a reason why Putin invaded Ukraine under Obama and Putin invaded Ukraine under Biden and didn't do it under me because I wouldn't have let it happen. I understand foreign policy and I understand how these people work and I understand American power and I was able to leverage American power to make the world a safer place as it should be. 
And because Biden and Obama and these people don't respect America, they don't love America, they don't see America as the number one priority, um, they're able to walk all over us. And if I was president, this would never happen. Uh, and you've seen that. You saw I made all these peace deals. And that's what I would say is like, just go with it. Yeah, it's completely unproven, but just go with the rhetoric of like, I would have kept the Russians in line. Like the Russians wouldn't have done this every time you sure. vote Democrats, they invade Ukraine. Yeah. Right. That, that's, that's why you're such a good uh, political advisor, for sure. OK, yeah. so last thing and we will call this an episode would just be I wanted to get a reminder on. So the carbon tax and Pierre Polyev saying that, like, if he gets you know into power, that he is going to cancel all of it and all that kind of stuff. So in terms of the environment, I wanted to get a, re a reminder on what your opinion is on that. So climate change. Oh, the carbon tax? So no, 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 not carbon tax in particular. So I want to, I like to oh. talk in generalities and kind of in macro. Okay. In terms of climate okay, so change. So my, my thing, so what, what climate change, go, right? So here's the thing. I think we have serious, we'll say environmental problems that the world needs to solve. There are major environmental problems, right? You cannot cut down all the rainforest, right? You need them for whatever. There are power plants and whatever that pollute rivers. Some rivers are polluted. You know, you have eutrophication, which is like, you know, the, the farming runoff going to the water, creating the algae, kills it. Because of the there are serious ecological problems that we need to solve. And they're complicated, but we can solve. My problem is, though, we take all these different problems. We take, you know, let's say a couple dozen, we take 20 different complex problems. We amalgamate them into one thing. We call that climate change or global warming. And then we have the audacity to say, you know, on these global agreements and the whatever, where people get mad, the sustainable development goals, WEF, all this nonsense, right? They then say, we need to cut carbon emissions. So we have this, this amalgamation of multiple complex problems, which is a scientific problem, which is a problem itself, right? And then we say, well, we're going to do a univariate analysis on this, which is another insane thing. So like one variable, we're not taking three, four, it's like carbon emissions, right? Carbon up, down, like this is, that determines the climate change. And then we say anything, you know, we're just going to declare anything that we can say gets rid of carbon uh, is good. But it becomes so insane because if this is actually what you believe, then you should throw a coup, a coup and reinstate Donald Trump as prime minister of the world. Because the only country that met the Paris Climate Accords, carbon emission stuff, was America from 2016 to 2020. Yeah. And that's because all the anti-carbon stuff doesn't do it. Because by deregulating natural gas, natural gas is more efficient than oil, which is more efficient than coal, right? And the more efficient something is, the better it burns, the less waste there is. What's waste? Pollution. Pollution, waste, emissions, they're all the same word. They're all the same yeah. thing. Can I just, right? can I just interject for a quick second? Yeah. Because for me, my biggest frustration with it is this, is that, is that, that, they, that the government primarily implies in any way, shape or form that that should fall on the little guy, like all of us, like the carbon tax, that it's, it's insane to pretend like us, like that we need to contribute financially and that it needs to change our utility bills. Because if it was an issue, stop, like just shut up about climate change. Once it becomes enough of an issue, let's, let's change all of the coal, like stop all the coal plants, leave the petroleum, leave the natural gas, leave the geo, just get us nuclear power plants everywhere. And then it's fixed. Like us little guys, we do not need to be involved in that whatsoever. Yeah. The, the anti-nuclear angle of the environmental movement is insane. Like that, 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 It kills me. Yeah. It, it, anyone who's anti-nuclear and says green energy like, is an idiot. Them. 
It's in their they, they need to be sent to North Korea. Yeah. Um, I have no questions. Like, I, I don't, oh, the civil liberties, don't care. Like, North Korea, gulag, straight up, three generations of punishment. Um, so, yeah. Funny. Yeah, but it's like, it's, I, I understand your point. Your, your point yeah, is for sure, valid, for sure. and it's screwing over everyone's yeah. pocketbook. So, yeah, put a bow my, on it for us, and yeah, and my, we'll call this my episode. My wider point is, even if that could work, it still can't. Like, yeah. not, like, not only are we doing that to the little guy and making you pay for it, Yeah. it's also making you pay for something that, any serious analysis would say could not work. Exactly. And there's countervailing evidence to say that it's actually not the right way to it's go. It's just paying salaries. So, it's, oh. Yeah. And like, you know, a gas example is not, is a, the, the um, economic term is um, inelastic good. They're elastic goods, right? Um, if, if a price of a movie ticket goes up 300% tomorrow, you might not see the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie because ah, it might not be worth it. Great movie, by the way, dude. I did see it and wow, what a movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I will. Okay, but again, but it's good. But there's there's a there's a price that that movie could have been that you say, okay, that's too much because it's an elastic good. You can replace it with something else. You know, maybe I'll watch something on Netflix. What an inelastic good is one that like you know doesn't change with like demand doesn't change with price. Energy, right? People still need to go from point A to point B. Like people need to who truck drivers need to make their deliveries. Like they need to put the gas in the car. They need to go from here to there. Like you know, people need to go from point A to point B. All the food needs to go to point A to point B. Like this isn't something that you can tax and therefore reduce demand. Like unless you're saying, oh, if we just increase the price of gas so much, there'll be a struggling family of four where the father and mother will have to sell their car and then bike 45 minutes to work every day or like four hours of biking every day and yay the environment they can no longer see their kids because they're really poor we did it we turned yeah. these this family really, like that's the thought process here when you break down what the car yes, it is you're 100 percent right let's let's, let's let's make them poor until they all have to bike that's literally and trudeau said it like not in those things but trudeau finally admitted that taxes are a form of deterrence and it's like yeah, okay. So you're going to make it too expensive for people to drive. Um, they all say that. Like, they, all all left-wing people, all the left-wing people that I debate all say that. They say that that those types of things are meant to be incentives. And yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Daniel. Well, I just want to say thank you very much, man. Uh, it's been a good good episode. And you're sharp uh, as you always, dude. Back. What's that? I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that'll be Canadian Talk, episode 63, out. Thanks for listening, and any questions or concerns for the show, as well as voice recordings and voice messages that you'd like us to listen to, or advertisement inquiries, please forward those along to CanadianTalkWithStefan at gmail.com. Thanks. We also have a website, stephanjackson.ca, where you can find a back catalog of all our episodes and we're also on YouTube where you can find the video versions. <laughs>